You think anybody wants to ask questions? All they want is a, is a clear conscience and a fat paycheck. I mean, I leaned on my shovel for months on this one. This was a great job. Why put people in it? Because it's here. You have to use it or you admit it's pointless. But it, it is pointless. Quentin, that's my point. What have we come to? It's so much worse than I thought. Not really. Just more pathetic. You make me sick, Worth. I make me sick, too. We're both part of the system. I drew a box, you walk a beat. Hello, everyone. It is me, Riley. I am here with Alice on it's this Ryan. free episode of Trash Future. It's it the is, free one. It is the free it's, one. It's the slimmed down free mm, one. It's the right. skeleton crew free one. Ooh, spooky. And, and if you couldn't tell from the fact that uh, we played a clip of the 1997 Canadian sci-fi horror film Cube, possibly one of the best Canadian movies ever made, and that we're talking to Seamus Malakavzeli. Hi, Seamus. Hi. We are talking about the new cube. The new cube that they're going to have in Saudi Arabia. Riley has been talking to me about the movie Cube, possibly you too, Seamus, for the last week and a half now. He will not stop. He's he, cube-pilled. I have been hearing about Cube, the film, from Riley for months, even before Saudi Arabia announced this project. He's, a, <laughs> he's obsessed with this picture. Um... I saw it years ago when I was in high school. Uh, I thought it was an interesting concept. I, it did not reverberate throughout my life. No, uh, no. As, as it has I, with Riley. I, I, I was overjoyed by the title of the sequel, Cube 2 Hypercube. I didn't <laughs> see it, though. <laughs> no, it's, okay, This the slogan of Cube 2 no, Hypercube you're is not, incredible. You're not respecting the like Cube cinematic universe enough. You know? Okay, it's the, the the slogan of okay. So the trailer for the movie Cube does not say the term cube in it, uh -huh. but um in in the trailer for Cube Two Hypercube, uh they do in fact say horror has a new dimension. Beautiful. Cube Two Hypercube. That's pretty good, honestly. Yeah, that's pretty, awesome. that's a pretty good tagline. Yeah. No, I mean, did look, they, did they is, make a Cube Three and call it Cubed? They, no, they, it was called Cube Zero. Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. You call like, it, you, well, they already, blew, they already blew the whole thing by saying, like, hypercube. That's what you say when you have, like, the fourth one or the fifth one, mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah. Well, it yeah. would be the fourth one because a hypercube is a four-dimensional shape. Well, there you go. No, no. Yeah. They, 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 they were not expecting Cube 2 to be as much of a success as it was, which I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, it was. Was it? I mean, no, it's... It's, I, I don't know. By Canadian uh, but, standards, was it a box office smash? Look, it was no Bond Cop, Bad Cop, I'll tell you that. <laughs> my, fa my, my favorite Canadian buddy cop series. I was mine, talking mine with too. Alice. Yes, and what I did was I single-handedly psychologically obliterated you because we got talking about Ontarian stereotypes and you lost years of work that you've spent cultivating a kind of mid-Atlantic accent. You just went back to Ontarian. You you, you were fully speaking Canadian to me. I sounded like one of the fucking guys from Letterkenny. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that's a classic fucking Ontario stereotype. They got Comfiore doing, eh? <laughs> like, not that bad. Not that bad. But like, no, that's it was the that exaggerated bad. No, version. Don't, 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 don't try and sort of like conceal this. No, it was exactly that bad. Uh, so we're going to be talking all about the cube cubes. about cubes. Um, That's right. I, I especially like that that clip from from Cube, right? Because what we what we're talking about is the question of how all of these seven strangers came to be entombed in this maze of moving parts that no one knows why it's there, and eventually it's just proffered. Like, who who cares why this is here? Um, it was just someone decided to build it, and then if they didn't use it, then what would be the fucking point of it being there at all? There's yeah. no conspiracy, there's no cover-up, it's just the grand monument uh, to the futility of everything. S someone built a cube, and once you build the cube, you know, you gotta put some people in that cube, and that's what we're gonna talk about. Yeah, 
And then if they go into a room that's uh, that's that's not that's not marked with the prime number, they get taken apart by acid. Mm. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know if they're gonna put that in the Saudi cube. No, it, it, it seems Ryan, mostly you know, to be about like walls and like uh, like doing like crazy wallpapers. Yeah, it's not about that. I just want to stress every time, Riley. Every time that you know we get us off topic, like me and me and Milo get us off topic. You're like, ah, if only I didn't have these goons, these morons. It would be a nice focused intellectual podcast i would chat to my friend seamus and we would have a sort of like it would be like the ft right no what you've done <laughs> is you have done this by yourself by thinking about the movie cube you are down here with us you are the idiot also yeah it's just look it's just another cube based room that i'm trapped in and uh apparently this is the devilish trap in this one is that i'm being my own distraction <sighs> but look we're going to get to the cube talk in a little bit. We have a little, uh, some, some news to run through pieces. first. Some Britain, some Britain's mm-hmm. been happening. Yeah. First of all, some One Scotland's thing, oh, been happening. Yeah, we've, we, we've got some Scotland. Uh, specifically, uh, this is all about Kate Forbes, who is running to play, replace Nicola Sturgeon as first minister. At time who, of recording, who <laughs> dynamited her own campaign the same day she launched it by going... Yeah, I actually don't support gay marriage or abortion or anything, pretty much. Um, and like, if you want to be careful with those views and sort of like a even like a centrist electorate in Scotland, which has now sort of been, you know, huge centre left by you know twenty years of SNP sort of like institutionalisation, this went down like a ton of bricks, which is to say, you know, badly as a ton of bricks would. And it's it's like one of her own advisors just was like briefing the press like, now nah, she's fucked it. It's just over. Yeah, she's done. And this yeah, was it's... like the, the 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 right of the SNP also managed to split their own vote by running Ash Regan as well. So beautiful, perfect. The one moment, the one sort of like crack in the armor when they could have sort of like exploited this and and sort of driven the country rightwards, and they've absolutely fucked it. And now the next first minister is going to be Hamza Yusuf, who's kind of like Scottish Keir Starmer. Like a bit more sympathetic and a bit less memorable, which is saying something. So, so to to put this in a to put this in out of let's say a nineteen uh, eighties politics of Lebanon context, uh, I guess what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what we're saying is that Kate Forbes is. Um, How is he going to land this one? Step one: Nic- Nicola Sturgeon was Musa Sadra, right? Yeah. And then it, it fucking it went from there. Right? Yeah, no, Kate, Kate Forbes. Okay, so Kate Forbes is Haddad, and uh, he's from. Mar- <laughs> no, no. So it's what I found really uh, most most telling about this entire uh, debacle, essentially, is that all of so is that all of a sudden there is this common sense opinion that has just appeared across British media, and it's sort of center and right. A new opinion has been issued, mm-hmm. which is that a person of faith should not by by who gets to be a person of faith, white Christians, uh, a person of faith with socially conservative beliefs has a right to be taken seriously and should not have those beliefs exclude them from public office. Otherwise, that is somehow illiberal. Well, K- Kimmy um, Badenoch, the Equality Secretary, managed to say that it's in the Equality Act that you couldn't condemn someone for their religious beliefs, which is not in the Equality Act. So, like, what, Shamima Begum's going to be coming back then? Oh, I assume, yeah. Uh, but yeah. no, I, so, but, like, it's curious, isn't it, how people of faith always seems to refer to people like this, and they've wheeled Tim Farron back out to talk about how, like, the water is making the frogs gay, um, and it's like, but, but Humza Yusuf's a Muslim, isn't he a person of faith? Is, no, no, that doesn't apply, because he's, like, that his mm-hmm. faith leads him to, like, like the more it liberal applies- positions. It applies if you're going to be um, trying to attack Kate Forbes, though. Uh, so, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just all, all of this is to say is all of these people are uh, extraordinarily stupid, do not have your best interests at heart, and even their gestures at liberalism using the forms of liberalism are hollow, empty, and vacuous. Uh, I, I do want to move on, though, just so we can get to a little oh, more of the dope. fun stuff and then to get into the Saudis, of course. Uh, Seamus, how familiar are you with Matt Hancock? Um... I would say my exposure to Matt Hancock, uh, however unwilling, was the fact that I think he was very uh, visible during the coronavirus uh, mm-hmm. crisis. Um, you know, obviously he was he was one of the cabinet ministers for for health, um, and then I remember he was very unceremoniously, I think, resigned because 
uh, I think he was cheating on his wife. Uh, yeah, breaking uh, on, the COVID distancing rules to cheat on his wife. Yes. Yeah. Um, really he big debate women. between the, the pandemic and, and love and which is more important. Mm. Um, and I remember that was, that seemed pretty, uh, pretty humiliating. Well, uh, but he's back now. He's from back, what I yes. understand. He's back he's better back. than ever. He's so back. He's back <laughs> in a form that was sort of perfectly written for us, right? Which is, uh, but you know what, Riley, you introduced this. It's it's your discovery, please. So Matt Hancock, oh, this isn't just the discovery of me. This is the discovery of hundreds of people that sent this to me on Twitter. So thank you all. Uh, I appreciate all of your contributions. But Matt Hancock has finally done what we've been joking that he would do for years now. And he has released an NFT collection. Yes. I am grinning from ear to ear. Yes. What are the NFTs? Are they apes? Uh, so the NFTs are, uh, he is, he's facilitating the sale of, um, of, of NFTs to support, uh, to support Ukraine. And, um, and I think ultimately, and, and like this, the artist from Ukraine, which I think is like, I don't know, it's good to support him, that's, that's like uh, you know, such so a Matt Hancock but, thing though, is to like yeah. do broadly the right thing for the wrong reasons and in the dumbest possible way. Right. Oh yeah. So if it's, it's just, if you take something seriously, Right. If you think that something is a good thing to be doing and you involve crypto in the doing of it at all, then you are at best sabotaging it and at worst insulting it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Matt Hancock, you finally released an NFT because that was the best thing you think that now as someone who is a professional reality TV star whose main job is getting just the most humiliated anyone's ever gotten on TV because everyone hates him, including apparently the SAS Who Dares Wins guys. Yeah, he 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 went on an SAS themed, a special forces themed reality show, and now the contestants of it or the hosts of it are on Twitter going, God, I would have liked to have waterboarded him, which is an incredible review to get, I think. A great note to get back from the producers is like Oh, yeah, Barry Psycho from the SAS says he wish he could have given you a real kicking, you know? Ultimately, right, this is someone who's uh, you gone from being a, 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 state, a state minister, probably one of the most important uh, ministries in the UK, to shilling NFTs. Uh, and that's, that's just him now. Uh, it was always him yeah, and his I heart. Mean, that's, this is also always this country. Yeah. We, we, like, ever since, you know, this sort of kind of conservatism triumphed over Cameron's kind of conservatism, which was also terrible in its own way. Um, this was always going to be the way, is they were going to sell off everything and then immediately go to like try and sell NFTs to the dumbest people alive. So, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's like if, if, you're, if you're actually you know, a Ukrainian artist who's trying to like support, you know, support yourself, you're sort of, you're on the run from, from, your, from the country and so on and so on, like just how to have this Do not guy. trust Matt Hancock. Do do not like give any of your art to Matt Hancock or anyone who wants to make an NFT of it, but especially not him. No, just the absolute fucking pits. Mm -hmm. So so so. Uh move just a little a little more sort of uh moving moving onwardly. A single a single extra piece of Britishness, which is Labour's crime strategy is out. They've they've now that they're the government in waiting. They're trying to explain what they're going to do about all the problems, and one of the problems is people are very afraid of getting crimed. <laughs> so we're going to fix it. So this is one of uh, the five pillars of of labor um, that uh, that have been announced under Starmer. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah, um, you know, charity, prayer, yeah. pilgrimage, -boying, um, I'm seeing. Uh, yeah. So and as well, and one of them is uh, we're going to talk about them sort of more fully uh, on the next episode on the bonus feed, but. We, uh, we, so one of them is like, if we're going to finally have the fastest growing economy in the G7, can you believe it? A right wing, a right wing labor leader saying we're going to grow the economy. How on earth did they come up with that? Crazy. Are we going to do it by stripping away labor protections? Uh, come on, come on. he hasn't gone into near nearly that much detail. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you what the thing what we're going to focus on just now before going on to Saudi, um, which is uh, Steve Reed, shadow, uh, shadow home secretary. Uh, and by just as much of a fucking fascist as Braverman or Patel or any of these people, uh, just a nice one, sure. said, Today we have a far better understanding of the science of trauma, how a young mind damaged by abuse or neglect in childhood can lead to criminal behavior in adolescence and adulthood, and we will create the best trauma-informed criminal justice system in the world. What do we think of that concept, huh? I, I can't... 
there, this is a larger discussion that could probably take like four hours, but it's so deeply offensive how like therapy talk and, and therapy language has so thoroughly infested uh, our discourse and how we talk that it, it's, no, it's completely stripped yes. of, of everything yeah. that, it, that it means. And you can just use it to uh, in, like promote <laughs> the worst kind of uh, criminal justice, quote unquote, reform. And nobody really bats an eye to it or, or questions it or, or anything. Well, because you, what you want to do is you want to do crackdowns, right? But if you're fighting an election entirely on the basis of we are two different media fandoms, essentially, we read different papers, we watch different news, or we like different stories on Facebook, but that's our engagement with politics, right? Then there are some people who are who, who fetishize being nice and some people who fetishize being assholes uh, or as they would say, hard nosed pragmatists. And then yeah, and if you try and triangulate in between them, what you end up with is this kind of like therapizing well, well, thing or the kind of like prim. Well, what I was I would it. even think yeah. that this is the people who fetishize being nice. The problem is, is that they have to agree on the same policy. It's just are we going to say that it's trauma informed crackdowns and everyone below the age of 30 or are we finally dealing with, uh, you know, delinquency? Right. It's it's the same thing. Yeah. It's just how are you selling it? What brand of crackdown are you selling? And in this case, right, what we'll find is that a tr best trauma-informed criminal justice system uh, in history is the same uh, sort of series of crackdowns, but the little thematic difference in, um, in it is that they're finding ways to try and bolster the participation in the criminal justice system, like magistrates, courts, and, and so on, without actually even putting any more money into the, uh, you might say, uh, oppressive state machinery. <laughs> like they're, they're like, look, we don't want to have to, yeah, we want everyone in jail, but we don't want to have to pay judges. Well, that's the good thing, is that it's very cheap to just sort of like deputize the kind of people who hate their neighbors, which is something we've talked about before. Um, so, you know, basically everyone who owns their own home and is over 50 and is white is going to become like a judge from Judge Dredd, because that's cheaper than doing like courts. And so, like, the, the new plank of this, the big new thing is, like, we're going to bring back ASBOs, antisocial behavior orders, but they're going to be different this time because they're going to be respect orders. We're going to make the kids respect you or else. Yeah, I don't know if that's, like, <sighs> ASBOs kind of, like, fell away for a reason, right? Which is that they don't work very well even at their, like, claimed purpose of making the kids stop like hanging around outside Tesco or whatever. So to try and do them again, but like more trauma informed and also more sort of like respectfully is like, it's a strange intervention. Uh, yeah, I, I would say to say the least. Uh, so I have a few, a few points here. Um, so number one is uh, they're going to also enforce parenting classes for the parents of young oh, offenders. Fantastic. <laughs> so in a speech at Middle Temple in London, so by the way, also, this is a, a speech being given at one of the like grandest buildings in central London. Uh, the, sure. the minister said, the shadow minister said, we will expand the use of parenting orders so courts can require the parents of persistent young offenders to attend parenting classes. We'll support parents to steer their children's lives back on track before the crime in a young life becomes a life of crime. To which I have to say, if you're doing a trauma-informed uh, approach to criminal justice and your and your solution is to, I don't know if you're assuming that, yes, these children are often traumatized, to ritually and systematically inconvenience and humiliate their parents, then somehow I think that that trauma might find its way back down to the kids. I don't know. Look, I, look, I can't, look, I can't imagine Riley, that happening. You, you are making a lot of very basis assumptions that somehow people who feel humiliated by their government, by their society, uh, might take it out on other people. And I think you may need to like step back and just like question why you think that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's not very trauma-informed yeah. of you, Riley. Yeah, because you know what else that is? Uh, that's cheap to do. That's really fucking cheap to do. Yes. You know what's yeah. not? It, because it's, it's going to be so shit. It's going to be a DVD. Like, a oh. court worker puts on <laughs> no, a DVD, no, and the DVD no, is no. like- Alice, that's more expensive than what they've planned. 
Oh my god. What okay. they've planned is volunteer good parents <laughs> go and give the bad parents oh lessons. God. Oh my god. Imagine the kind of parents who like think of themselves as good enough parents to be like, no, I will go and I will teach my no, methods. Look, look, there was you know, back in the days of of, of the caliphate, you know, in the in the, uh, the Rashidun Caliphs, there was <laughs> yeah. a belief that the one who desires leadership should not be granted that leadership. It must be forced <laughs> upon them. Yeah. And yet we seem to have forgotten this wisdom in this in this uh, uh, reign of quantity that we live in. Um, no. <laughs> so that's the that so that's the that this is based on a trial from Croydon that says that this works. Um, but genuinely, like one? right? The but genuinely, right? The the simple fact of um. Of, of saying, oh, it's because the parents don't have enough skill, as opposed to the expensive thing, which will fucking work, which is to build an actual society that these people can live in. No, that's that's out of the question. We can't be doing that. Yeah, we can't even fund the, like, guardrails. We can't even fund the, like, punitive elements of that society anymore. Like, we can't fund the courts anymore. Uh, we can, like, we can't fund the, like, schools that, like, uh, you know, have... Policies of like expulsion and truancy and stuff like that. Uh, we can't even do the like the punitive thing. So we're down to sort of like we'll just get people from the community to do it. We're into like let's just replace the teachers with people from the town. <laughs> and and you know that's that's the same logic about the community um, punishment boards. Right, and they say, "Oh, we're gonna get Let's just replace the cops with people from the town." <laughs> what? Okay, we're, we're inadvertently doing a kind of like Tory communism, right? Where the state so completely abolishes itself that all it can do is mandate. Ah, just just do it yourselves. <laughs> just just look says, out for each other. The, the examples that that Reed used are teachers, social workers, sports coaches. Like, what the fuck gym teacher oh are you going to get? Like, he's going to be like, yeah, I've decided, I've decided that we're going to put this kid that won't stop walking up and down my street into a bronze bull and then have it set alight. <laughs> the, the, the volunteer sports coach, brackets, unvetted, is... You want to talk about a trauma-informed society? We're going to traumatize the fuck out of some kids. <laughs> because that's all, most of what this is based on is the idea that what we can do is just—you know what it is? It's we've taken the um, the phrase "it takes a village" and we've sort of armed mm. everyone in the village by deputizing them to like beat all the children. Yeah, and crucially, it takes. Only a village, nothing beyond yeah. that village. You know, the village will just sort of like organize itself autonomously. Like I said, this is a surprisingly sort of like left-wing communism coming out of the Labour Party. <laughs> and and finally, right, if you're talking about a trauma-informed justice system, maybe you'd be thinking about, huh, maybe finding ways to divert young people away from the criminal justice system by, for example, making fewer things illegal. Wrong expensive. Wrong. No, that's the one free thing they could do that would actually bring in quite a bit of money. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, sorry, different yeah. thing. That's the thing that we don't want to do because um, it feels wrong to so, us. Like, decriminalizing drugs uh, or whatever? So say, he said, after, again, after like Starmer said he would support the decriminalization of cannabis, now Steve Reed has said actually, no, we won't be supporting that. When asked when he supported Starmer saying this, Steve Reed said, I forget saying that, I didn't say it, you can't prove it. Uh, and then when shown the clip, he just declined to answer and walked away. Beautiful. Uh, it's it. Yeah, and, and like his his rationale for doing this, by the way, was like, uh, I see the the kids who are like traumatized by like gang wars and drug wars and stuff like that. And when I think about that, I think it's important to like keep them in that situation yeah. as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, it, we we can't legalize soda because so many kids are killing each other because of soda. If we legalize soda, we yeah, send if, a it, message that it's okay to drink soda. We we should like actually illegalize more commodities in order to encourage children into like entrepreneurship, like county lines. Yeah, that's right. We're gonna. I I've, I have a um. It's uh, we've seized a uh, a canning uh, facility that was bound in from Rotterdam. You know, kids are kids are drinking. They're drinking Coca Colas. They're drinking Fanta. 
Uh, and you know, it, he actually did say, by the way, my experience of seeing kids die in the streets of South London because of her involvement with drug gangs and the fear and horror in their parents' eyes when I met them afterwards tells me we're not going to be legalizing drugs because I want to keep that fear and horror in the parents' eyes so they'll attend my parenting class with my it, friends. It, it would be... It would be unfair to repeal prohibition because what about all of the people who got killed in like seasons one through four of Boardwalk Empire? You know, it wouldn't be very fair to their memory, would it? We've been down this kind of road before. Um, I feel like things have perhaps somewhat advanced from, at least in America, the idea that there were super predators rolling around uh, that just needed to be purged off the face of the earth and were completely unsalvageable. Um, I guess the idea that the downtrodden are salvageable is an advancement. Um, but you are just perpetuating a new kind of cycle here in which you are just inventing a new way to keep people down by finding new ways to make yourself feel good in a kind of paternalistic way, but without the actual requirements of a paternal figure in which you try to change the circumstances of the person that you're caring for. That's like, like even within paternalistic conservatism, that, 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 that faux ideological stance, there is at least that, that, that thinking, that, that base. And this is devoid of even that, because to do so would be to imagine that there is a future that you are fighting for that is better. And that is just not present here. Well, it's and I think that's because so much because Starmerism is ultimately a media management project and they understand that everything the shadow home secretary does and says has to appeal to the same 200 syphilitic bigoted columnists, all of whom are to stand in for the hoary handed sons of toil that sort of live up and down this country in the various sort of big Barrett housing estates. Like that's the plan. Hey, but those columnists must be really good at parenting, considering how many of their kids have made it to become journalists. <laughs> or how many of their kids have grown up so fast that they leave the home as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, and ultimately, right, I mean, I, the way I sort of see the, the, the criminal justice plans of both of the major parties here, it's just, it's both horror movies. It's just two different kinds of horror movies. Like I would see, like, the, the, like the Tory criminal justice plans are essentially a, uh, a, a slasher horror film it's just a a thing it's it's jason it's a monster pursuing you in the night you know it's it's going to hack you to pieces with a machete for being um for being uh, you know for being cruel or sexy i just think it's fucked up that steve reed said that they were going to make jason real and like let him loose on teens <laughs> but the thing is the labor criminal justice policies aren't jason they're the psycho nanny they're they're the uh, they're they're taking care they're tucking you into bed so hard that you get choked to death you know, you 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 really need to like do a movie podcast just as a sort of escape valve for some of the stuff. My, my movie like. opinions. <laughs> well, yeah. no, this is actually from um, a book I read uh, a long time ago called "The Worst Is Yet to Come" that talks about the neoliberal state as a kind of psycho nanny. It just stuck with me. Um, anyway, hmm. that's that's enough about Britain. I want to talk about a country that's on the grow. You know, the the future, yeah, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's right. So look. My friends, before we start talking about Numeraba, where we're all moving, by the way, uh, we're all going to move there. Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to live in the hologram house. Uh, I want to talk about the new Neom ad. A new Neom ad has dropped. Uh, what are, what are, this is, we are the only people in the world who are hyped for this, but we are hyped for this. <laughs> okay, so, Seamus, you've seen the new Neom ad, right? Yes, I was subjected to it because I have tweet notifications on for the Neom account, so I get it straight to my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's you... Me, MBS, and then someone who's really hoping MBS isn't going to kill them. We're the only four people <laughs> with that tweet notification on. Yeah, the, the guy who like made the ad and is really, really hoping he gets to make a second ad or leave Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy's really invested in how well this ad Seamus, can you tell us a little bit? Can, take us through the ad. What's the what's the tone? How's it different from previous Neom ads that we've come to know and love? I mean, previous Neom ads had really focused on appealing to the investor class, uh, the intelligentsia, as it were, um, talking about things that would be available to them so that they could grow their business, that they could achieve their their uh, research dreams, as it were, it was appealing to a very specific kind of person. 
this new ad campaign, uh, What is Neom, is absolutely directed toward the general public. Uh, they've always bombarded Twitter with ads for Neom since forever to raise that kind of awareness. But this is the first time where I think it's directed purely toward a public audience that has no real um it, they're they're not scientists they're not they're not academics they're not important they're just you they're me they're they're joe nobody uh but there's there's yeah the tone of it's a little bit like mcu almost there's a little bit of like marvel in the writing of like yeah, so that's pre precisely why it infuriates me, and I, I hate it. I told Riley messaged me like uh, a couple days ago. It's like, hey, have you seen the new Neon ad? And I replied back, yeah, I hate my fucking life, man. That ad ruined it. I I, I hate that this is like therapy speak. I hate that it's infested everything. Uh, this kind of jokey, wishy washy. <laughs> oh, we know how crazy this is. Has infested everything. Um, it's mind numbing. It 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 destroys every part of my. I just I want them to acknowledge what they are, but also I like the sincerity beforehand. They they, they you can't go back on it this quickly. Previous you know, Neom stuff you know was are. like an investment briefing. This is more sort of like Reddit esque, right? I'm going to take you through what happens in the ad, uh, and it it starts with one of the previous types of ads ending which I think is a secret message saying the previous type of ad didn't work. The sci-fi utopian one didn't work. We've bone sawed that guy. His time is over. <laughs> now we've brought in the adorable MCU writer. And hey, you better hope that if we have another commercial that starts with this one ending, that you're not in the country or that if you are, you're already in a suitcase. Yeah, the, the, like the guy who made all of the investment briefing ads, that guy lives in a bathtub in the Hilton now. So it starts with uh, an older couple, an older American couple, uh, watching the original sci-fi utopian ad on TV, and the, the husband says, Gnome? What's Gnome? And then the wife comes in and is like, it's Neom! And then it's just cut after cut after cut of people in sp speaking every language in every country around the world talking just about like, well, and you're saying it's going to have cognitive technology? Wow. Oh, there's going to be a, yeah. a, 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 a yeah, I can swim to work? Incredible. <laughs> it, it feels very like, uh, first of all, nothing can possibly go wrong is how it feels. But it also, it has the sort of like, MCU jokiness, right? That kind of uh, writing, sort of like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, it's got a funny name, you know, maybe it'll be fun. Check it out. Uh, look, let's go. Do not bring weapons. And it's it's like very unnerving to me in a way that like the more financialized ones um, weren't, because those were just like, yeah, it seems like a stupid idea. We're gonna do it anyway because we have infinity money. Whereas this one is like, no, you should move here. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be. It's gonna be nice, actually. Um, imagine how nice it's gonna be having like some uh, having some coffee with. I friend. think it's more representative of at least what I'm speculating is a, is a change in strategy as the deadlines for when Neom is supposed to be an actual veritable city. Um, they haven't changed officially, but they're obviously way off track. Um, there's a lot of, it, what? A, I mean, well, I didn't want to be the bearer of bad news, but this is how it, it's, it's how it is. Like if you go on Google maps, there's obviously a ton of infrastructure that's gone up already. There's, there's roads, there's, uh, there's all kinds of, uh, locations of chain stores. There's a lot of Dunkin' Donuts. Um, there's palaces or all these different places, but obviously people are not moving there. Yeah, it's mostly worker dormitories. So the idea that there's going to be a million or so people or a little bit less than that by 2030 is way off course. So now the idea is that we have to shift from actually getting people to invest and to move here to primarily just using it as a PR strategy to increase the prestige of Saudi Arabia's image abroad. And I think that's just what's part of it. Watching this feels like being a pet that's being like lured into a carrier to get taken to the vet and put down. Like MBS trying to like get me to move to Neom so that I can have a Dunkachino. I I don't know. Is there something sinister about this? You, you might think that I can possibly yeah. comment. Well, also, if you remember the circumstances of Neom's construction, which we talked about, we talked about with you, Shane, oh, a couple years ago. So many people to do this. <laughs> like there are they they have put bodies in the ground 
to ultimately do like to what has come to to not sell me a Dunkachino. A cutesy advertising campaign for a strip mall. Yeah, uh, I think 50 people were were sentenced to some form of prison uh, only a couple days ago for opposing the on project. Again, more Bedouin tribesmen. Some of those were death sentences. Um, it it's it's in a really strange kind of place in that it can't stop development because that would be against MBS's wishes. They want to complete it, I think, at some point, even though completion for what they're planning is completely impossible. Um, so they, they need to keep pumping this out and trying to, by the time 2030 rolls around, when Saudi Vision 2030 is complete, so and so, uh, so to speak, that there will be something that they can show off to the world as like, can you believe that this is happening in Saudi Arabia, a country that only a few, like, uh, you know, in the mid 2010s was off the radar of the world. It was a black hole information. Now it's one of the world's great countries. Like that's, that's what they want to show off. That's why they've already laid the groundwork, the foundation work for the line already, even if nothing else has gone up with it. Um, it's a really, it, it's a horrible fucked thing like with actual like like we laugh about how absurd it is but it is it is a real thing that has consequences for the local population that it is being built upon and investment companies construction firms uh magazines like vogue uh they're all complicit in it uh it's it's they, they are investing forthrightly into advertising in a very twee kind of way, a almost colonial project in the desert. Um, I thought yeah. this too. I was wondering, like, the one thing it put me in mind of was like, if you had displaced it in time, there would have been ads like this for like kibbutz. Absolutely, no. They're doing the same the thing in Israel right now. The same kind of messaging, maybe with not active development, but the strategy has changed to accommodate a liberal audience that is used to, um, you know, very broad terms like quote unquote girl power or um, like mm. things of that nature. Did Mohammed bin Salman effectively utilize girl power <laughs> when he sentenced protesters to death? You know what is also funny is that the, the thrust of this ad, what it wants you to do is to Google what is Neom. And the reason why I want you to Google what is Neom is because if you just Google Neom, Neom isn't the top result for Neom. The top result for Neom is, is like a cosmetics brand that has their name. And I can't think of somebody who they want to bone saw more than whoever has the trademark for Neom Organics because it's kicking them off the top thing. And so you have to have what is Neom, which they've sort of SEO'd a bit. Or more. maybe they're just trying to like subliminally suggest that they should be a Jeopardy answer. It's either either that or or, or they're or they're trying to like game Google search results. And and, and this is this is Vision twenty thirty goes beyond Neom as well, right? I mean we've I mean it goes well beyond Neom. I mean you have um it oh, go, yeah. there are some things about Vision twenty thirty that are real and very sinister, like the creation of the sort of indigenous Saudi weapons manufacturing capability. Uh, but then there are other things about Vision twenty thirty that are also uh, very, very silly, as in addition to Neom, as well as having a dark side, of course. Uh, and that is the new downtown of Riyadh, New Maraba. I, I love this one. They're just going to slot in a whole new district like Civilization VI. <laughs> and yeah, the nonsense district. Let me tell you. Yeah, the nonsense district. The, um, you know, the bullshit district. You can take a metro on down to the bullshit district and you can do some silly bullshit. I mean, every every city has one of those. It's just, an, you know, usually smaller. London, for instance, London's bullshit district is sort of centered on Leicester Square. So we're just going to, like, expand that because you know what Leicester Square doesn't have is a massive cube. And Riyadh is about to get a massive cube. So think of it this way. We had the one-dimensional city. That's the line. That's been and done. Everyone lives there now. They love yeah. it. We skipped over the two-dimensional city because that's you know, boring. Eh. Uh, and now, uh, the, the Mohammed bin Salman, in his infinite wisdom, has finally created the first three-dimensional city. We're getting a cube. There's going to be a big cube in Riyadh. Finally. Uh, MBS said, 
True growth begins in the city, whether in terms of industry, innovation, education, services, or other sectors. He's just talking he, like a WEF person. He's so, he's so bereft of like any juice. Like he doesn't, what? A rizzless map. If you look back, you know, in the videos from like newsreels from 1970s, there was Nasser. There was, uh, uh, there mm. were this, the Saudi monarchs, they had charisma. And now what do we have? We have nothing. We have, we have, we have, we have, we have, we have no ideology that we fight for. It's all about growth. It's all about uh, 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 cities are our future. What does that mean, dude? Tell well, me what to means- believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you could believe that education is to industry as innovation is to services. What if you believed that? <laughs> yeah, I, so like you you're primed for someone to get up and say we're bringing the United Arab Republic back with like a U.S. number of stars on the flag. Everybody's getting in there, but instead, what you get is the uh, 3D cities, the neo Renaissance. We're gonna put some like uh, cool holograms on it. You know, check that out, maybe. <laughs> so what we have is it is supposed to be the world's largest modern downtown. Um, it's gonna be built around sustainability because they want you to forget that all of this is being paid for with oil money. Mm-hmm. And they are going to actually make Riyadh one of the ten most livable cities in the world. Which is cool. The the only way that Riyadh is going to be one of the ten most livable cities in 2030 is if there are ten <laughs> cities left on the globe in 2030. Which could feasibly happen, judging by the rate yeah. that we're at yes. right now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Fallout Saudi Arabia. I've been banging the drum for this for like years. <laughs> Nobody now. at Obsidian I, is listening to me. They've closed the doors. They won't let me in. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Sawyer has blocked me on Twitter. Uh, so it will also feature this district. It will feature um, an iconic museum. So I got. I wonder what like brand <laughs> oh, they're gonna license. Dubai what? has like fifty fucking museums that do nothing. Right? They like what they do is they buy the name off of the Louvre, the Louvre, or the you know Musée d'Orsay, or whatever, some shit like that, something prestigious. Uh, they build sort of like a campus of it. It's very architecturally interesting. Uh, and no one fucking goes to it. There's no reason to. You can see influencers sort of like paddle boating around the outside of it all hours of the day. Yeah. Well, what if you could walk around the Dulwich Picture Gallery Riyadh, for example? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got like one massive constable painting in there. And we've just, you know, it, it rotates around... Um, and you know that's what true innovation. Also, is. also, I would say they they in the in the promo video that they've released for Numeraba, they heavily imply number one that there's going to be like autonomous transport pods. So don't worry, there won't be any I, trains. I, I saw the pods. Yeah, yeah, I saw the pods. PRT, you don't want to do any actual like transport. But, fine. Right. Pr- crucially, it also heavily implies that there will be pod racing, <laughs> a la Star Wars Episode One, on like hovercrafts in Numeraba. Now this, I, my friends, is pod racing. You know, I, I, I criticize Mohammed bin Salman for a bunch of things, right? I think mostly fairly, but I'll forgive him a great deal of them if he makes pod racing uh, real. Hang on, the, the thing happened again. <laughs> Just, I, I think that would be nice. I think that would heal us as a society if we had, if we had real pod racing. Uh, hold on, I'm just, I Saudi have to... Arabia. Am I optimistic he's going to get this done in uh, seven years? No, but... <laughs> You know, maybe. Look, this none of this is all the setting in which there will be the cube. The center of the Numeraba district with its pod racing and its Dulwich Picture Gallery Riyadh. Uh, feels feels faintly sacrilegious to be like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take this idea of, of a big cube that everything sort of like circumnavigates around and we're gonna do that, but this time it's gonna have like a you know, you're gonna be able to get a Dunkachino in it. Seamus, tell me about the Mukab. You know, before I talk about the the muqab, um, I need to bring forth the saying of the uh, the Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him. Uh, he was asked, "What is one of the signs of the of the hour uh, when when the universe shall end?" And he is recorded as saying in an authentic hadith that when you see barefoot, naked, destitute shepherds competing and constructing tall buildings. Brothers and sisters, what have we seen throughout the last decades? And we continue to have our faces spit in. Um, the muqab, 
is is a cube as advertised, which is 400 meters by 400 meters by 400 meters. Uh, by volume, it will be the largest building on planet Earth. Uh, it will be taller than the Empire State Building. I believe that the number quoted was like it could fit 20 Empire State Buildings into. Uh, which is good. I mean, yeah. which you don't really, yeah. you don't well, really need to. What if to? there There's are 19 one. more yeah. and we need to protect them from something? <laughs> what then? <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. What if we need, what if we need to protect the Numeraba like Empire State Building strategic storage? <laughs> what if we reserve? need to protect the Empire State Building and his 19 twin brothers from a problem? He's, Sorry, he's, please, you know, he's ahead, being very forward thinking. I, I agree. <laughs> um, but he is not as forward thinking as, uh, uh, perhaps if if we are all familiar with uh, the work of uh, uh, the Nazi architects, uh, if you maybe saw the Man in the High Castle, that that program, um, there was uh, in in Hitler's time they wanted to build the Volkshop, the gigantic dome uh, with which Berlin's redevelopment program would be centered around. Uh, it would be yeah. Oh yeah, it was going to have its own weather system because of how tall the dome was going to be because the condensation from people's breaths would like form clouds so wait, and then yeah. rain back it would down spit on, on you. Which is it was a gross. building that would spit yes. on you. Yes. Gross. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, if you, if you make a building with a large enough interior volume it spits on all of its yeah. inhabitants. And that's now, what's now that that dome alone which was so absurd in its dimensions that not only could Berlin's wetland terrain not sustain it, it was just physically absurd. That dome was only measured to be around like 350 by 350 meters. This is 400. This is going up. And the plan is, is that it will be a sort of, it will be an experience like, like none other in that there will oh, be. Oh, yeah, Seamus, yes, I have the quote. It will be the world's first immersive experiential destination. You know how like when you go to a city and you're like, eh, I don't really believe it. Or if you go hiking in Scotland and you're like, I, I don't know. I don't really feel immersed in this experience. Yeah. I, I love going to places to be immersed in an experience. That's my that I love doing that personally. Well, you haven't been able to. You're mostly going to be immersed in like other people's sweat. Ugh. Like, Well, that's just the thing, Shavis. And until they build the macabre, you will be unable to immerse yourself in an experience at any destination. This is the first one. No, until the macabre is built, my life is basically forfeit. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite transcendental when you think about it. The idea way. of the macabre, the, the great thing that I, uh, sh I my, my friend uh, Justin, who was a big fan of Avatar, uh, looked at it and he was sold on it because they had the... They had a projection of the uh, the magnetic mountains from Avatar on them. the The gimmick is is that you have this gigantic spiral mm. structure inside of a hollow cube, and on the walls of the hollow cube are projected um, all kinds of fantastical surroundings that create any quote unquote an immersive experience. Uh, I don't know if it's the same technology necessarily, but like you remember the Mandalorian how that was shot on with immersive kind of surroundings that were on a computer screen and that allowed it to be more realistic uh, than a green screen technology might have been. I imagine it's probably using that kind of technology, but that doesn't... We're like, we're like digging a second Plato's cave within Plato's cave where we're like, what yeah, if we could live in the blue screen? It's so, it's so, it, 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 it doesn't fully... Like, first of all, it's also the advertisement also has like ships floating around the place, which I assume is part of the projection, but that doesn't explain how you do that with walls. They had a, they had a dragon yeah. in, in the concept video for this. Like, there's just going to be also, a dragon flying what I want to note now, it, it also it's in all under the sea in a desert landscape or whatever. But what I want to note as well is that because what these Saudi mega projects are really just some combination of airport shopping mall and then five over one. Uh, urban mixed use development. They, what it yeah, means is like the, the only place in the world where you can buy a Patek Philippe and a Dunkachino five. But steps what it from means is that um, the there are going to be flats in this spiral tower. Yes, you can live in the warp <laughs> from Warhammer Forty Thousand all you, the time. You, you know the picture of Limmy where he's getting some like light blasted into his face in bed. Exactly like that. All hours of the day and night, you're like the fucking dragon comes back around again. And the worst part is, I assume, right? Call me a cynic that they're not just gonna like put whatever they find is edifying on the inside of the macabre. 
what they're going to put on the inside of it is what people pay them to. And so if you're lucky, right, if you're lucky you get woken up at 3am by like MCU Phase 27 Iron Man banging on your windows. If you're unlucky, it's the Matt Hancock NFT ape looming out at you. This this sounds like it's, hell. It's like the capitalist version of like you hear those stories about how North Korean propaganda plays on the speakers in people's homes, and you can't you can turn the volume down, but you can't turn yes. it all the way off. <laughs> like you're doing that, but for real in an environment that is inherently hellish. I <laughs> I don't. It it fills me with an immense amount of dread on on all levels, physical, metaphysical, spiritual. It is an act that is affronting yes. to any kind of religious clergy, uh, which I am now associating myself with. Especially uh, to make it a cube. Th there is no God in this cube, unlike the cube that exists in Mecca. These are the two no. cubes that are battling each other for hearts and minds <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. It is it it is a a, a horrifying parody, uh, a twisted parody of the original cube. But then ancient Arabian cities, you know, many of them had cubes, yeah, and then that's just the one that survived. So maybe we're we're heading back to the time of ignorance. You know, we're going back to sort of like uh, uh, you know many pre-Islamic Arabia. You know, in the Salafist community, they were laughed at for saying that we were the age oh, of Jahiliya, <laughs> and yet, <laughs> where yeah. are we now? They are building new Kabas. This, they were right. <laughs> I was, I wasn't expecting to have to agree with ISIS on Find this. Find drill entirely proven wrong. <laughs> but you know, inside this um, sort of sacrilegious, like you know, new Kaaba, this new god that they're building, um, is going to be just hospitality, leisure, and entertainment, which is the same thing they promised in Neom, which is the same thing they promised in Trojina. It's just different malls. That's all they see. And that's the thing, right? That's, <laughs> I honestly think this is the ultimate, you mentioned pan-Arabism earlier, yeah. right? This kind of thing, whether it's Neom, whether it's Numeraba or the Macabre or whatever, this is all the ultimate colonization of the spirit. Right. Building WeWork and Greensill mm. and the big Carvana vending machine that's now empty, whatever. That's something that a dying empire is doing to itself. That's a, a society that is atrophying its own like conceptual muscle tissue in order to just stay alive for a second longer. And they're just imitating it. They are imitating the aesthetics of a a, a, a desiccating corpse with all of this like innovation shit. It's a it's a cargo cult, right? But like the, the no, it's, no, Alice, it's not a cargo cult. It's a servant interring himself in the pharaoh's grave happily. <laughs> but like, also do it doing that when the pharaoh starts to look a bit sick. You know, hasn't even died yet. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other thing that strikes me, right, is okay. There's clearly there is a niche for. Uh, you know, I, I, I buy my Pasek Philippe, I walk next door to the Mercedes dealership, I buy my Mercedes, I walk next door to the Dunkin' Donuts and I get some Dunkin' Donuts, right? That exists, it's just, it's called Dubai, uh, like to a certain extent also Abu Dhabi, to a certain extent also Qatar, right? But like, it, like, those places are successful for reasons this will not be, one of which is not being in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, we were we were talking. Riley and I talked about this briefly before before we recorded this. Um, Saudi Arabia is really in a position that it cannot escape, no matter how much it tries. When you when like the average Joe, you ask them, "What is your perception of the United Arab Emirates or or Dubai or Abu Dhabi?" They don't think about Islam. They don't think about politics. They don't think about the emirs. They just think about partying. They think about tall buildings. It's a blank slate entirely. They don't think about it. But with Saudi Arabia, what is the universal thing that they think of? They think of a, I mean, let's just be completely clear. They think of a backward society. They think of a place where women are property. They think of a place where religion uh, is is within everything, 
And while Dubai is perceived as a place where extravagance is fun and, and quirky and, they've, and the police have Bugattis, that's crazy, right? The extravagance that exists in Saudi Arabia is perceived as ornate and out of touch and beyond our tacky. Uh, yeah, tacky. It's it's beyond our understanding. It's 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 the like it's the Trump Atlantic City casino to Las mm-hmm. Vegas, right? Um, and yeah, I, I I don't feel bad for the Saudi government on this respect. Like you know, you do one nine eleven, <laughs> it really follows you around, right? But like, <laughs> no, oh, I mean, I mean. I think it's very difficult for Saudi Arabia to escape the fact that for a very brief period of time, it was exceeded in its uh, women's rights situation by the Islamic State. (laughs) Because the Islamic State, when it ruled over Syria and Iraq, allowed women to drive. And that didn't change until like 2017. It's very difficult to escape that kind of perception within a very short amount of time. And it's definitely not possible with MBS at the helm of it now that he's blown his media tour all those years ago with, with uh, Khashoggi. Yeah, you, you bone saw one guy <laughs> and you're 9-11, 1-9-11. And now all of a sudden you're the bad guy merely because you sort of like run your state as a, an extremely conservative theocracy. Everyone does that, but you know, you, you bone saw one guy who works for the Washington Post, and all of a sudden, you know, no one wants to be friends anymore, no matter how much you pay them. It's fucked. Fake friends. You know what it is? That's what it is. Fake friends. I think the other thing to think about here as well, right, is that Dubai fills a real role. It, it has an actual purpose yes. that yeah, it serves. It, it's, it's a place to like... Uh, d- uh, spy on people. It's a place to like kill has. It's a place for Mossad to kill Hezbollah commanders. You try doing that in Saudi Arabia. Well, also, it's it's not only that, but it's a place for uh, Western real estate speculators to dump money. It's a place mm-hmm. for money laundering to happen. It's a place for yeah. Russians to go on opulent vacations. And it's also a place where a British marketing middle manager can go and have a full time servant. Like Dubai caters to all of these. I think often quite dark elements of the human psyche it does so with a very sort of in a very flashy way but it serves that purpose but neom and 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 numeraba and the macabre and all this stuff is an attempt to look at the flashy surface with which dubai soft sells the actual quite dark things that it actually offers and just sticks to that does saying it doesn't do it does all of its own dark stuff as well but it doesn't offer that actual service it has it has failed to it's imitating dubai while failing to understand how dubai actually works that's my contention mm. everybody is already invested and also everybody is already invested in in dubai in the uae as the place to be you're trying to divert an already established uh market when they don't need to be necessarily diverted um it's it's a fundamentally flawed strategy, but it's the only strategy that they have, because the only other strategy that could possibly work would be to remove the monarchy entirely and have a different system, and that's not gonna happen. Oh, yeah. hey, I recognize that way of thinking from here, where the only thing we can do is the impossible, <laughs> so we're just gonna keep trying a bunch of dumb nonsense that's very flashy but has little substance. Hmm. Awesome. I love, that, I love that the UK and another monarchy have some similar things in common. Uh, before we end, mm. can I read you one, um, one review of the new Maraba development from an adjunct professor of architecture at Columbia University and a non-resident fellow at the Arab Gulf State Institute in Washington uh, when he was interviewed by Arab News. This is Yasser uh, El-Shwatani. El-Shwatani said, There is a tendency among Western and Arab observers to dismiss projects like this out of hand, (laughs) describing them as acts of folly. Once again, an interview that could have ended there. Yep, there is because it is. You may say that this is like crazy and unsustainable because it is. Yeah. But he says, if we look at it objectively, it's much more than that. Having been involved with one of the teams that were invited to compete to deliver the project, I can attest that there oh, is... Oh, this guy doesn't want to get bone-sawed. <laughs> or, or he wants to get paid and drip in jewels. I can attest that there is serious thinking involved in such schemes. Furthermore, it will provide Riyadh with a unique icon that will help make the city instantly recognizable among other world cities, uh, citing the Eiffel Tower or Sydney Opera House. Uh, I think, I think yeah. the future angle of this when these mega projects get a little bit further along and it becomes clear that the deadline is going to keep moving 
that there's going to be an angle of, oh, people don't believe in these projects because of the residual Orientalism that still exists in these societies. They are skeptical of Arab development, of Arab, of Gulf Arab presence in the world, going up in the world, and that's why they dismiss them. Um, but no, no, anyone with a fucking brain understands anywhere, if this happened anywhere, this would be stupid. This would be mind-numbing. It's, it's asinine by any metric. Uh, the fact that Saudis are doing this is just icing on the cake. No, I can see the future, and my God, it's in the name of the podcast. It's it's trash. My God, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna try and gin up Saudi phobia. Oh as God, a thing. no! Don't uh, don't 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 materialize that into existence. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm touching I'm touching this lathe, and I'm telling you, they're gonna try and make Saudi phobia oh a thing. I uh, got ta- from from your uh, from your mouth to Thomas Friedman's ears. <laughs> Um, uh, also, <laughs> Thomas Friedman in the pod. He doesn't have anyone to interview because there's no driver. Uh, just driving around in circles. <laughs> He's making fucking toe off of the fucking giant. Uh, and there's a, there's in an a op-ed pod. in 2029. I was wrong about MBS. I've seen the developments <laughs> in Numeraba. Yeah. And he's leading the new Arab Spring. <laughs> well, I also just love the idea of comparing it to the Eiffel Tower. Like, yeah, I love going to Riyadh and then like taking a picture of my girlfriend that everyone takes under the macabre, where it's like, oh, Mo, I'm being crushed by the macabre. There, there, there is a possibility here, however remote, though, that this becomes the sort of like Dubai of last resort, right? Because Dubai and 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 Qatar and like uh, all, all the Gulf states really are tremendously vulnerable in a lot of ways. Uh, like you know, Water, for example, for instance, yeah, for instance, if a bunch of Iranian drones come over and blow up all their desalinization plants, then maybe the calculus looks a little bit different, and then maybe we'll be crawling on our knees to the big cube. Are, are you suggesting so, that there could be a Saudi-Iranian alliance in order to force people to take the cube seriously? <laughs> That's the much funnier paradox option. <laughs> I'm end. just positing Saudi as like a an unwitting beneficiary of a much more devastating war. But like, I like this idea too of yeah. like MBS entirely out of friends going to fucking Harmony. Like, all right, you got a cube. I mean, we got a cube. You got like shit you want to get done. So you know, maybe there's a deal to be made. We're here. going to end the Sunni Shia split. <laughs> with basically like a real estate scam. <laughs> We're going to end the Sunni Shia split by like trying to like revalue the Glengarry League. <laughs> um, but also, uh, El Shwatani actually is not only full of praise for Numeraba and the Macabre, he actually has one problem with it. Oh, okay. Mm. Wait, this is mentioned in the Arab news piece? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he has a criticism. Crit- oh my God. So, in well, the- check, check this out. There's a criticism. This is why you can tell it's liberalizing. Planners need to ensure, he said, that this is not perceived only as an enclave for the wealthy and that it integrates with the city at large. Connections will need to be established to ensure that the district and the icon are accessible to everybody who wants to see it and that it's not just a commercial and profit-driven oh, exercise. Fuck. Fuck. What if it's they've too learned, good? They've learned how to... They, yeah. First of all, what if it's too good? Like That's, that's a brilliant criticism. Second of all... They've learned to do the thing that like uh, Western sort of mega projects do, which is there's going to be one broom closet at the top of the macabre that is nominally social housing, and they're going to go check this shit out. It's inclusive, and there's a guy up there who's just being tortured constantly because there's like holograms being beamed into his eyes. And so that's that's the only problem that um, this guy who is trying to bid to like do some design work on the macabre can see with the macabre, which is what if everyone wants to live there too much and like not a broad swath of society can afford to? That's the main problem with this thing. I'm not gonna live in the pod. I'm not gonna eat the bugs. But you are gonna live in the uh. cube. You're gonna, gonna live in the cube. The cube. <laughs> Fuck. You're gonna you're gonna have I, your own dragon that's your friend in the cube. 
That's I really modern Islam is about having a dragon that's your friend. It's about living in the cube. It's about being in a six over one that's four hundred meters, a five over one rather that's four hundred meters tall. It's about pod racing. See, this this is why I reversed because I knew I would get in on the ground floor of a, like a, a sort of a happening, a growing enterprise and a very tall building, a very tall cube. So, um. With all of that being said, uh, I think we're probably uh, about out of time for today. So I just want to say, Seamus, thank you so much for coming on and spending time with Always us Always a pleasure. Uh, where can people find you if they are interested in reading more of your words about these various goings on? Uh, I, have, I, have, I have a substack about international affairs and I have a substack about film analysis. Uh, those, I assume, will be in some sort of info description. Um, and I, mm -hmm. I also oh, yeah. have a Twitter where I, where I tweet more frequently about these kinds of things and uh, can keep up to date with all of the goings on in uh, the Gulf Arab states. Absolutely. So do check out Seamus's Substack. I personally find it very Fuck, useful. You know, you know what? You know what Saudi Arabia needs to heal? It needs a local adaptation of Bad Cop, Bon Cop. I, I may have written this when I was in high school. This is, this is lore <laughs> that will be unavailable to the audience, but... I assure you, I am not bullshitting whatsoever. Okay, number one, TM. Anyone who's listening and wants to option Seamus's Saudi Bon Cop, Bad Cop script. <laughs> uh, sorry, trademark, copyright, you can't. We've, it's our, we have the first refusal. Uh, TF Studios' first picture, Bon Cop, Bad Cop, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> we, we are about to get a trillion dollars shipped in on pallets from MBS to make Saudi Bon Cop, Bad Cop in New Mojave. It's going to be amazing. I'm New so Marapa. excited. Um, and, and, and also, I wanted to say, uh, we have a Patreon at just $5 a month. You can support our quest to make Saudi Bon Cop, Bad Cop with Seamus. Uh, you can get a second episode every week. Uh, also, also, uh, we've just forgotten uh, to say that we do a Twitch stream on Thursdays and Mondays. Oh, yeah, we, we do do that, don't we? Thursdays and Mondays, <laughs> 9 p.m. UK. Uh, <laughs> Twitch.tv slash Trash Future Podcast. We've, we've been meaning and forgetting to hype up this subsidiary of the podcast on the podcast for years. For, for Ye for several years, we have forgotten to ever say on the podcast that we do this. So, <laughs> check it out. You can see my, you see me, Alice, and Devin watching YouTube videos. Sometimes Milo's what on the there, fuck? too. Why are, only, why are only a few hundred people coming to this? Because no one knows about it, because it's like after-work drinks for us. Yeah, uh, so do check that out. And finally, our theme song is Here We Go by Ginseng. You can find it on Spotify. Listen to it early. Listen to it often. All right. I think that about does it for today. So thank you for listening. And thank you to Seamus. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.